means a lot. She chose this house of worship and this church family to be with. Uh, for Open Door folks, this is our Giving Sunday and uh, we are collecting a uh, love offering from you, from our church family, so that we can continue to support uh, God's mission and ministry here. So uh, let me just thank you in advance for giving. Uh, this is an all-in effort for us and I'm so excited about next Sunday celebrating uh, the results with you and uh, just enjoying that. Um, on behalf of the many children that we serve, students that we serve, our international ministries, the ESL, uh, our counseling ministry, our music ministry, uh, the many that we support that we have sent to plant churches, our international missionaries, that's where your dollars go. And I'm so grateful that uh, I can give alongside with you. So uh, we have pledge cards later in the service. Pastor Chris will give you an opportunity to come and put your card in the box. Um, you can do it anytime. And if you need one, uh, we have some extras in the back there. So thank you for participating. Oh, by the way, uh, Saturday is also a special day. That's going to be our party on the block. Uh, we're going to just gather again as a church family and many of us are going to decorate our cars and uh, we're just going to love on the community. There'll be a ton of families that'll come with their kids and enjoy our trunk or treat and some games on the lawn, some music. Uh, I want you to come. I want you to be involved. Uh, let's do this together. Invites folks, all of you know of families with kids. So I've been inviting folks with kids. So let's do that. And hopefully we'll see just a whole lot of folks we can love on next, uh, this upcoming Saturday for our party on the block. Uh, lastly, uh, notice we've got the Lord's Supper set before us today. Uh, so we're going to look forward to uniting together as a church around the Lord's table. All right, Hebrews 10. Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 18 this morning. And we're going to be going to be talking about what it means to be complete or what it means to be perfected, okay? So uh, if you're like me, you, you love starting new projects and, and when there's a, there's a new project, maybe something in your home or in your yard or just a project that you get excited about and you jump into it with everything that you have, right? And, and you, you make the plan and, and you get the tools or you get the materials and, and you're all set and you just you dive in and you get going and you're working on this project and then something happens and the, the glory fades. And, and then you, you have this undone project. Are you like me? Raise your hand where it's not the beginning that's a problem. It's the finishing. Okay, you're amen. All right, how about, are you one of those type of people that once you start something, you have to finish it? Raise your hand. Yeah, I don't like you people. <laughs> you, you, you are much more like Jesus than I am because one of the great things we're gonna learn today, Jesus completes the project. And you're the project. He finishes you. He finishes you. And, and, and this is important because there's something about all of us, uh, Christian or not Christian, that desires to be finished, that desires to be complete, that desires to be whole. And, and we all feel this. And, and I'm, I'm guessing that if some of you were honest this morning, you would say, I don't feel complete. There's something missing. 
and, and maybe something about a relationship that you have or you don't have. Maybe something, some accomplishment that you're just really hoping to achieve. Maybe, maybe it's your job, maybe it's your career. I don't know, but maybe there's just something where you say, I don't feel complete. I don't feel whole. But what I wanna encourage you today is that Jesus has done everything needed for you to be perfected. He's done absolutely everything that's needed for you to be complete. So maybe it's just you're not receiving it or you're not understanding it. Today, as we look at the scriptures, I want you to walk away with full confidence that, that your identity, your completeness is guaranteed in Jesus Christ. Let me, let me just take a part of what we'll be studying today and read Hebrews 10, verse 11 to 14. And then I wanna pray with you. Listen to God's word. Every priest stands day after day ministering and offering the same sacrifices time after time, which can never take away sins. But this man, after offering one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. He is now waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are sanctified. Father, your word is always true and this promise then is true for us that we have been perfected forever because the body and the blood of Jesus Christ was sacrificed for us spirit of God help us to know what it means to be complete in Christ please give us ears to hear give us eyes to see we pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So the Bible is a story that builds upon itself. You have to understand this about the Bible. We call this progressive revelation. Now what that means is that the early books and the entire Old Testament is necessary in order for there to be a New Testament. Our faith is built upon the old, but to understand the old, you have to understand it's not complete. And the author of Hebrews is gonna call the Old Testament that contains an older covenant as a shadow. It's not the reality. It points to it, it looks forward to it. And there's a lot of stories and a lot of things that it contains, but it is merely a shadow hoping for something better. And the better is the thing that is going to complete you if you're willing to be completed by that better person. So as we begin in chapter 10, the author of Hebrews says, since the law, now that is what guided the old covenant and the people of the old covenant, namely Israel. 
since the law has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the reality itself of those things. See, shadow, not the reality. It can never perfect the worshipers. I want you to pay a lot of attention to that concept, perfection. The law, only a shadow, the old covenant, not the reality, could never perfect the worshipers by the same sacrifices they continually offer year after year. The, the, it makes sense. Otherwise, verse 2, wouldn't they have stopped being offered since the worshipers purified once for all would no longer have any consequences of sins. So all of all of the sacrifices and the offerings that are listed in the Old Testament, and we studied many of those uh, this year earlier in Leviticus, the burnt offerings and the guilt offerings and the sin offerings, it just goes on and on and on. All of those were inadequate to provide the redemption and the forgiveness that was necessary. And they were good, you would make those offerings and you would, you would pour out the blood of bulls and goats and, and there would be a, a temporary covering over your sins, but your sin was never removed. God's wrath was pacified. I mean, when you made the sacrifices, God's not just going to, you know, judge you, condemn you. Yes, God's wrath was pacified momentarily, but his wrath was never propitiated. Now, that's an important word. It just means that his wrath was never appeased, was never removed. It's like every time an Israelite would make a sacrifice, basically what they were doing is just cover my sin. It's still inside of me, and I still feel it, and I still feel the guilt, and my mind knows, my conscience knows, but I just want to cover it for a moment. I just want to hold back the wrath of God. Just hold back that door. And you would have to do it over and over and over again. Month after month and, and year after year because there was no purification once for all. If, if there was, why would they have to continue to offer those sacrifices? Why are they still, if you look at the end of verse two, conscious of their sin? As many sacrifices as the Israelites made, they still know I'm a sinner that needs cleansing. So the old covenant was good in that it provides the outline. It, it provides the shadow image of what is going to come and what is desperately needed is for the image to be filled in. So the Old Testament is like um, a children's coloring book where you open the coloring book and there's going to be a, an outline of a picture. You have the lines, but you have to get your crayons to fill it in. And, and, and all of these stories and all of these occurrences, it's a sketch. And the sketchbook is waiting for someone to come in and fill it in with color. And one day a man would. He would color the sketch with his own blood. 
And so the sacrificial system, it, it was good but not complete. And, and so here in this statement, it can never perfect its worshipers. So that, that, that word, that concept becomes vital for us. So what does it mean for you to be complete? And what does it mean if you're in Christ, you already are? Why aren't you celebrating that like you should? This sense of perfection or this sense of completion, um, maybe we should use the word wholeness. That's a very common buzzword these days. How do I achieve it? And there are people who are, who are striving to do this in so many different ways. They're striving to do it relationally. Jerry Maguire, you remember this movie? This workaholic dude, and, 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 and then there's a girl, and he's going to, you know, save her from his chaotic life, and, and he finally like, oh, I get it, and, and what does he say to her? You what? You complete me, right? That, that becomes like the catchphrase if you want to be romantic. You complete me. Actually, not really. Because another human person can't do that fully. Can't be completed in that way. And yet, yet, yet people are trying. They, they're trying to find wholeness in all sorts of ways. They, they, they go through types of self-improvement. They go through types of self-awareness. They go through types of, of self-acceptance. You know, uh, they, they, they go through you know, help or counsel for self-reflection. They work on emotional intelligence. It goes on and on and on. How can I be full? How can I be complete? None of those things will bring it. They're, those are good things. I want you to be self-aware. They, they may be virtuous things. They're not going to complete you. But if you're in Christ, you already are. Why else do you need these things? What else are you looking for? That's what I need you to understand. Yes, these, these things might be helpful to you, but it can never perfect the worshiper. And so when we get to the new covenant, when the reality sets in and when Christ comes and he accomplishes everything necessary for your perfection, now the Bible begins using language like you're complete, you're full. Colossians 2, 9 and 10. Ephesians 3 and 19. Because of Christ, you have been made complete filled with the fullness of God. What more do you need than to be filled with the fullness of God? But you see, they didn't have that back then. Verse 3. They had to continually offer these sacrifices. In the sacrifices, uh, there is a reminder that you're still sinning year after year. Why? Because it's simply impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So the author of Hebrews is, is writing this. And then he's reminded of David, which is what uh, Rachel read for us just a minute ago. Here's David, and he's writing the song 
and, and it, it, by the inspiration of God, he starts writing about the Messiah, the one greater than him that's going to come. And it's like he's writing and he's writing in a way that he's expressing the very words of the one who will come and complete us. And so we, the author of Hebrews quotes that, Psalm 40, verse 6 through 8, and he says, therefore, I just love this, as he was coming into the world, you see what David's doing? He's talking about the future Messiah, whom we know as Jesus Christ. And the song says, you, you did not desire sacrifice and offering, but you prepared a body for me. Not all of these sacrifices that the Old Testament commands. All of those sacrifices don't work, but there's something about a body that will do the job. You did not delight in a whole burnt offerings and sin offerings. And then as David is writing this down, he writes as if, this, this person who will offer his body speaks. And he says this, see, it is written about me in the scroll. See, it's been written about me in the scriptures. Jesus is going to come. He's going to say, David was talking about me. I have come to do your will, God. That is the sufficient sacrifice. That is the superior sacrifice that we need coming from a superior priest, coming from a sufficient savior. No longer does the worshiper need to offer animal sacrifices because all that did was cover your sins, but your soul remains guilty. Christ would come and cleanse us from the inside out with his own shed blood, but it cannot result in hypocritical worship because the one who comes said, look, I, I don't want you just to make offerings to make offerings. And that's what the Israelite did for, for centuries. They're coming with their offerings and the, they're coming with their animals and they're pouring out the blood because just because the law said it. There was nothing in their heart that had a desire to repent of sin and, 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 and lovingly obey God. So the one who comes says like that God doesn't care about hypocritical worship. He doesn't care about fake worship. Not then, not today. If you remember the story of, of King Saul and uh, he, he's the first anointed king of Israel and gathers this huge army and such a powerful individual and then the prophet Samuel shows up and he says okay Saul you're king you got this army there's an unfinished task I need you to go and just demolish the Amalekites I want you to annihilate them there's a whole story about how wicked they were and and, and an enemy of God and God had promised their annihilation and it hadn't happened. Now's the time, go do it. So Saul takes his army, conquers the Amalekites, but does not annihilate them, keeps some of the plunder. His soldiers take some of the gold and the animals and Saul takes for himself a prize, King Agag. Well, then the old prophet Samuel shows up again. And Saul's like, uh-oh, 
And so he goes out and he, he fires up the altar and he starts sacrificing the animals that they should have killed but they kept as plunder. And he's making these offerings to the Lord and Samuel shows up and says, hey, what's all this? I thought the Lord told you to kill everything, destroy everything. Uh, so I was like, well, we did. No, of course we did. Um, wait a minute. Well, why do I hear these lambs bleeding? Why do I hear these cows mooing? You didn't, oh, well, 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 we were just offering sacrifices. Samuel says, oh, no, you fool. Obedience is better than sacrifice. An obedient heart, way more important than these fake offerings. And he took Saul's kingdom away from him to give it to another. Well, Jesus comes along and says the same thing. I'm done with this hypocritical worship. I want you to worship me with a pure heart. I'll provide the means for you to have access to God. There's nothing else you need. Now just obey and worship. I have come to do your will, God. That's what he says. And verse 8 says, after he says above, you didn't desire delight in sacrifices and offerings, whole burnt offerings and sin offerings, which are offered according to the law. He says, yes, that's all done now. Then he says, see, I have come to do your will. I have come to complete you. I have come to perfect you. And so when Jesus arrives, he takes the old covenant in the Old Testament and he sets that aside and he establishes now a new covenant and a new agreement for God. You see, verse 9, he takes away the first to establish the second. By this will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus once for all time. Now, this idea of sanctified becomes essential because this is the pathway for your completion. And this becomes what is necessary for your perfection. It's your sanctification. And in, by the way, friends, that's God's will for you. If you wanna know what God's will is for your life, 1 Thessalonians, this is God's will, your sanctification. So now look, we're building these concepts together. How does this work? Well, sanctification. That's the removal of sin's power over you and now the transformation that takes place that you become more and more like Jesus. Right? So that's, that's necessary. And then what does that do? It leads to holiness. What is that? Holiness is when you imitate God and now you have the ability to please God with your life and your worship. Sanctification leading to holiness resulting in perfection. What does that mean? That just means that by the power of God, he will finish what he started. When he saved you, he's going to finish it. He's going to complete you. He's going to perfect you. In other words, you're going to end up being like Christ completed, perfected, and your sins are going to be blotted out, your conscience finally cleansed, your, your soul sanctified, 
And now you have peace and joy and be able to worship freely. And that had to come when the man showed up. So again, let's go to verse 11. Every priest in the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, standing day after day, ministering and offering the same sacrifices time after time, which can never take away sins. I mean, you got to give it to these Old Testament priests showing up at the tabernacle in the white robes. By the time they get home, their feet are tired, standing all day long, offering the blood, offering the blood. They come home a bloody mess. I'm sure their wives are like, uh-uh, you take that off before you come in the tent. Bloodied every day, standing every day, working, working, working but never removing the stain of sin. And that happened year after year, decade after decade, century after century, until a child was born in Bethlehem. And he grew up and lived a perfect life. And he died an obedient, perfect death. Verse 12. But this man, I just love that. But this man, after offering one sacrifice for sins forever, that was his body and his blood, he's not standing anymore. What's he doing? He goes to heaven and he sits down. In other words, hey, my work here is done. My work here is done. And he takes the highest position of authority. And he sits himself there at the right hand of God, that place where he reigns and rules over his kingdom forever. That man offering himself sits down at the right hand of God. Verse 13, now what is, what is he waiting for? He's just waiting for all of his enemies to be made his footstool. Was that me? Well, um, author of Hebrews is reminding us of the Roman emperors, the great mighty warriors, and they would go and conquer the enemy. And then they would have this big parade uh, back in Rome and all the victors would be parading and along with their captured enemies. And uh, Julius Caesar, when he conquered Gaul, he took the commander of the army of Gaul and, and there in the middle of Rome with all of these people, he made him kneel before him. Imagine the emperor taking his foot. You're now my footstool. That's what Jesus is waiting. All those who refuse to claim him as Savior and Lord. All those who desire not to be made perfected or completed in him. All those who remain in their sin will become his footstool. You either are going to be perfected by Jesus or you're his footstool. And if you're not a Christian, I, I say that lovingly to you. But I also plead with you. Consider the danger that you're in apart from Jesus Christ. Don't end up his footstool. Become complete in him. 
Let him perfect you. Let him clean you from the inside out. Let him, by the power of his word and his spirit, sanctify you until you are whole. Because Jesus has done absolutely everything needed for you to be complete. And now he's just waiting until all the enemies have been gathered and then he will return. And here's, here's the result, verse 14. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are sanctified. Is that past tense? Isn't it? That means it's already done. Are you reading with me? That's past tense. It's already happened. Nothing else needs to be accomplished for your completion. My friend, you are complete in Christ. And if you would just make your identity that, you will begin to experience such a fullness and a wholeness that nothing else can complete you or fulfill you. Your identity only needs to be in Jesus. Not in who you are, not in your sexuality, not in your performance, not in your relationships, none of that. Everybody else is striving to find that. But if your identity is in Jesus, you're complete. Man, just live it, enjoy it, and experience the freedom of it. And you say, well, how can I know? Well, you know because Jesus promised you the Holy Spirit who will tell you on the inside, you're good enough, you're good to go, I've got you, I've saved you, you're okay now, you're forgiven. Look what he says. The Holy Spirit also testifies about this for after he says, this is the covenant I make with them after those days. All right, now, the, the, this is a quote from Jeremiah, the prophet. But the author of Hebrews isn't saying that Jeremiah said this. The author of Hebrews is saying, who said this? The Holy Spirit said this. Okay, what that tells us, by the way, is it's the Holy Spirit who is the author of scriptures, all of them. The Bible has a human author, but more importantly, the Bible has a divine author. The Holy Spirit is the one who says the Bible, Old Testament and New. And the Holy Spirit promised there's gonna be a better covenant. And in this covenant, the Holy Spirit says, I'm gonna write God's law inside of you. You're gonna know you belong to Jesus because I'm gonna write this law on your heart. You're not gonna be able to resist the desire to love God, to pursue holiness, to love your neighbor. I'll put my law on their hearts. I will write it on their minds. You're gonna know in your mind what truth is and what it means to be complete in Christ. And by the way, here's a truth and here's a promise. If you're in Christ, you're complete. Your sins are so far removed from you, as far as the east is from the west, God will not remember your sins. Look at verse 17. I will never again remember their sins and their lawless acts. Those are sins. That is a double entendre. God says, I'm going to forget your sins and I'm going to forget your sins. I'm not remembering your sins anymore. Because when I see you, my child, I see Christ, I see completion, I see perfection. 
Isn't that glorious? Isn't that amazing? Now, where there is forgiveness, verse 18, of all of this, there simply doesn't need to be an offering for sin anymore. That's why you didn't come in here with a goat or a ram or a cow to offer. If you're a Christian, you came and, and you took part in this worship service because the sacrifice for your sins has already been made. Oh, we just get to celebrate that now. You see, because of Christ, because he offered his body and his blood, now we have been made acceptable to God. We are forever forgiven children of God. Now we have access to God. Go to him. You have access. Go to him. Now you have the power to imitate God. So be holy because he is. You can do this now. Now you don't have to offer blood sacrifices. Now you can offer yourself as a living sacrifice, something holy and acceptable to him. Why not? Worship him. Live for him. Serve him. Now you can be sanctified. Every day, a little bit more like Jesus, and it'll continue and continue and continue until, as John says, when he returns, we'll be like him. Now, here's what I want you to consider. You know, the Israelites, having making their sacrifices over and over and over again, every time they did it, there was a sense where, man, I hope one day, I'm making all these sacrifices, I hope one day my sins will finally and completely be forgiven. Well, guess what, friends? That was the shadow. These elements that we're about to take, these represent the reality. Because if, if you're coming to receive these elements, you're not thinking, man, Lord, I hope one day you'll forgive my sins. When you put that bread in your mouth and you drink that cup, you're going to say, Lord, you have forgiven my sins once and for all. It has been accomplished. And I celebrate that now. And I'm just asking you now, this made me like you. That's where completion comes. That's where wholeness comes. And my friends, that's where your perfection comes. Father, as we go to your table, as we celebrate the body of Christ and the blood of Christ given and shed for us, would you remind us that there is nothing else that needs to be done for us to be complete? May we celebrate that, live for that, and tell others how they can experience the same. In Jesus' name, amen.